in my town. Podcast 10, Fly Like a Butterfly, Sting Like a Bee, or Before COVID Came to Town. All material herein under copyright. In 1964, Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali and the heavyweight champion of the world. For four and a half minutes, Alaska was in the grip of a 9.2 magnitude earthquake, the largest ever recorded on American soil, triggering a tsunami that washed up on shores from the Kodiak Islands to Northern California. The first picture phone, think Skype and FaceTime, debuted at the 1964 World's Fair in New York. What are all these things doing here in a podcast on writing? Creating characters that are bigger than life, settings that are unforgettable, gizmos that at the time ran parallel to a belief in the fantastic, or for short, sci-fi, are all elements writers grapple with daily. It's our jobs to create dynamic characters, to build a setting readers can see and touch, smell and hear. And no small amount of novels have been written around an object placed, usually, in the hands of nefarious characters. I don't think you'll be surprised to learn that the above examples have been used to fuel the plots or characterizations of numerous novels. We pull from our experiences and from current events. We reach back through history for a pivotal moment that, in some way, impacts our stories today. How many authors at this very moment are writing about COVID-19, about quarantine, about its effect on a main character for whom the imposed closeness is bringing an end to a relationship once thriving, or for whom the loss of a loved one leaves the fabric of their lives fraying and in places worn thin enough you can see through it, perhaps to the promise of happier times, to a time that looks different but in some ways better. And what else is going on in the world today? Is it possible to capture in our hand our spinning planet and hold it still long enough to explore the chaos? Sure, some writers are doing that right now. Are you one of them? Will the disorder build to such a pitch that it threatens to break through the gravitational hold and fling itself out of orbit? Perhaps, if you're a sci-fi writer. The near collapse of so many internal structures runs parallel to the human heart. How many of us feel swamped by our our emotions as we navigate this new normal? And let's hear it for the feel-good story, where the main character faces the mammoth obstacle, struggles, wearies, reaches deep for the gusto, and prevails. The world could use such a story right now. Are you writing it? I was born with a sunny disposition. I naturally look for the good, especially in dire circumstances. Because of this, my brothers nickname me Pippi, and still call me that, really. I can imagine being mired in desperate circumstances, but I know there's no life there, and so I don't dwell in it, and neither do my characters. We are wired to survive, and so are the people we place at the center of our stories. Our readers root for them, and it is accepted, expected, that we will overcome and better They will rise victorious. It's what we all want. We strive for it in our daily lives. There must be that drive, that deepest motivation in our characters. Pause audio for free write. Today, I'm sharing an excerpt from A Measure of Hope, book two in the Marquette mystery series. Hope is what keeps us going. 
Can you find the ray of sunshine in this piece? Isaac stood at the kitchen sink, rinsing his breakfast and lunch dishes and sliding them into slots inside the dishwasher. Outside the window, the afternoon sun was so bright it spun the leaves of the poplar into silver. The cast iron pump, as much for decoration as a garden gnome or birdbath, was gray in the harsh light. The red liquid inside the hummingbird feeders had evaporated. The hummingbirds, they were strange. Isaac was surprised when they showed up at the house a few years ago. They didn't have flowers here, not even a single potted plant on the deck, and so nothing for the birds to eat. But they came, a pulsating swarm of them over the span of a day or two. They arrived in flocks, though Isaac knew hummingbirds were lone aerials, and they were so many they formed a wall that turned the sky a fluorescence of greens and yellows. They had stayed, wavering only in numbers. After that first spring, they thinned out. Instead of hundreds, or maybe even a thousand, they'd been home to sixty or so of them. And then four days ago, Isaac woke into a silence so absolute it hurt his ears. He'd walked around the house, checking appliances to see which one had died during the night. But they were all in working order. Then he had sat down to a bowl of cereal, and as he was pouring the milk, it hit him. The hummingbirds. Had he forgotten to fill the feeders? He had checked each of them suspended under the eaves above the deck, 17 feeders, and every one of them had had a measure of nectar remaining inside the plastic tubes. Isaac had walked around the house, following the deck as it wrapped around the back of the log home his father had purchased. Then, walking the slate path to the front yard, where there were tobosa bushes, a little green in their wasteland, but not an edible food for the birds. There were none. They had gone as quickly as they had come, but silently. There were no carcasses on the property. Illnesses hadn't spread to the quarry. They had simply vanished. Isaac missed their electric buzz. They had gone the same day his father had returned to Wyoming, a short visit this time. His father had arrived in time for dinner, which he'd brought with him from Albuquerque, some takeout barbecue. They had talked well into the night, and then Isaac had woken in the morning to an empty house and an empty sky. His cell phone rang, loosening him from his thoughts. Jingle Bell Rock, the phone was an early Christmas gift from his father, and Isaac hadn't changed the ringtone yet. He turned off the water and wiped his hands on a towel, then pulled the phone from his pocket. End of excerpt. Against a stark background of what the character thinks of as his wasteland, where the sun is so brilliantly hot, color fades from the landscape, Isaac remembers the green and yellow fluorescence of the hummingbirds. But then their disappearance is the absence of hope, right? Or is it the thread of hope left behind that the character decides to follow? While we often look to major events, or to that one true thing, and this is different for most, for hope, strength, courage, it's also true that we find all of that in the normal. Washing dishes, dinner with his father, barbecue takeout, his cell phone programmed with a fun Christmas tune. These facets carry a steady beat. Life as usual, even while some things outside the home are amiss. I wrote this scene before COVID came to town, but there is certainly a similarity to what we are collectively experiencing now. We have fallen back on routine, on the familiar, and find life in them. Perhaps we appreciate them a little more. Authors collect these moments, padding the setting, the plot, 
with what only later becomes painfully sweet. And that's you chasing the word.